0: Um, when I came to faith when I was 30 years old, like, there was only one book of the Bible that I, like, constantly stayed in. And I stayed in it because, like, it was the book of, like, for me, it was like the book of love, and it was Ephesians, right, to find your worth. Like, you read a book of Ephesians, and you understand why you're created and designed, how he crafted you before the annals of time to be who you are designed to be. Like, for me, that was the book. And so as I became a pastor, and I started getting into ministry, and I started learning about the scriptures, and I started reading the whole Bible in its whole context, did you ever read it, and you're like, what? Not that it's new revelation, or that something's new, like God doesn't change, the Bible doesn't change, what was set in time, it's, it's, the canon is closed, it's, it, I'm, not, I'm not a prophet, he's not going to give me something like, ooh, like, let me tell you about, no, it's like, the word is true but how often do we read through it? And we kind of miss those golden nuggets. It's crazy as I've been preparing it and, and, and walking through Mark 11, chapter one through 26, there was a golden nugget that I learned. At, and, and, and two, it's learning because as I'm unpacking the, the scripture and as I'm looking at some context and the historical meanings behind things, and I'm a, my, my degree is in history. And so I love history. So I wanted to go and read some other books to see what God was talking about, what was going on in these times. And couple things that stood out to me. Now, I know we're far away off from Easter, in a sense, even though Easter is like right around the corner, you realize it's like the first week of April, that weekend is Easter. February is halfway done almost. It's like a month and a half. So as I was preparing this topic, I really got to learn about Palm Sunday. Like, we still got a ways away before Palm Sunday. And you're going to laugh at me when I, when I say this, but... I just learned this last, like the last, over the last 10 days, that Palm Sunday is the Sunday before Easter. Like, I knew it, but I didn't know it. Like, I knew Palm Sunday was the Sunday before Good Friday. I've always focused on Good Friday. I've always focused on Easter. I, I, I forgot about Palm Sunday. So that was something that stood out to me. I shared with a pastor friend of mine. I was like, Palm Sunday is the Sunday before Easter. He's like, duh. I was like, I knew it. But it was just kind of funny that it stood out to me. It was something that stood out to me. And Just uh, realizing we, we've got a wait before Easter, but you can never like, not want to hear about the Savior entering in for us. So you think about it. Hundreds of people shouted Hosanna, the son of David, as he's walking in on this cult, as the cult is coming in. And I started thinking to myself, like, what did they miss, though, like, we know the story, right? They know when Jesus walks in, something changes within 24 to 48 hours. Something in the, in the hearts of people change. So my question this morning, as we sit here, before I read the scripture, does our heart need to change? Like, do we need to, like, maybe put our posture in the right direction so when we hear about his entry, we can be glorified? Like, we can, like, celebrate it? Maybe there's a distraction in our life right now. Maybe it's busyness, tiredness, sickness, family issues, forgiveness. Maybe there's a piece of your heart that's not forgiving something right now. And maybe before we go open this word, like maybe our heart has a line because the scripture shows what happens after the entrance. They're praising and shouting his name. And then the week later, they're like, Give me Jesus, not Barabbas. So as I was sitting here this morning, I was thinking, like, what, where does our heart need to sit this morning before we open his word? And I'm going to tell you the reason I say that is because the last couple couple days, my heart has just been hardened. A lot of stuff has happened in my life. The uncle who helped raise me when my father decided to leave, his, his wife is pretty much on her last leg. And then I get a call from a Young Life kid who I got, it was, like, one of my first experiences of, like, seeing a kid, like, say yes to Jesus, passes away at 30. So I've been struggling with God of, like, God, what do you, you want me to be here on Sunday and be all in with you, but, like, you've got to fix my heart. I'm not, I'm not understanding it right now. So this is just me being a little vulnerable as I'm sitting here this morning, which should be a glorious, awesome message about our Savior who's coming for us. I'm trying to find the hope in this. Let us just pray as we get ready to read his word. Father, uh, our posture of our heart, Lord, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one, Lord, that has a, a misalignment right now. So, Lord, before I read your word, want to open your Bible to Mark chapter 11. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 26. This morning I'll be reading out of the ESV. The word says, Now when the When they drew near to Jerusalem to Bethania and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at the door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their uh, cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leaf branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned tables of money changers and seats of those As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to the mountain to be taken up and thrown in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father has also, who is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. It begins with this arrival into Jerusalem during the Passover. Traditionally, we call it the the triumphal entry. It is clear that the king is coming. This is an important event. It's recorded in all four gospels. But Mark, it's a third of his gospel. From this day on, it's a third of his gospel, the week, the Passion Week for Christ. for, For Mark, it means something. There's no turning back. The lamb who was slain before the foundation of time will be slain. For us like you gotta understand that like he he's choosing to enter in as our king he's he's choosing to enter in to take our space to take our place i didn't deserve that i don't deserve that i deserve what i should have coming to me but he's saying i love you enough that i'm willing to enter into it for you the atonement for sin ordained in eternity past now becomes a historical fact for these people that get to watch this. There's a buzz in Jerusalem during the Passover. The, the population would swell three times the amount of people would show up. The world would descend. I would like to call it ascending on it, though. Jesus is ascending on it. But this Passover will be completely different. Than anything that was ever seen before, or anything that will ever take place after, will have the final sacrifice. And as I started reading and, and studying and really looking at this, a couple things stood out to me. First, the Mount of Olives. Bethany, this is where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, whom Jesus raised from the dead, that's, this is where they lived. This is their home. This is where he'll find his, his last couple of weeks. But there's something about the, the Mount of Olives, what took place there. Uh, first off, you see, if you go back into the, to, to the Old Testament, uh, the Ark of the Covenant needed, to, to, uh, needed a yoked carrier, just as Jesus is going to need the yoked character of this donkey. But here's a couple things that, about the Mount of Olives that I, I found very interesting. The Mount of Olives is a ridge about two and a half miles long. It is its rise and height of 27 uh, feet, 200 feet higher than Mount Zion, so they can look down. One of the things that they would look down on is where the path of David's retreat from Jerusalem to escape his capture. It's also where Solomon uh, grieved God by erecting these big idols for his wives. It's also the, on this mount where Jesus wept over the disobedience and blindness of Jerusalem. Ezekiel witnessed the glory of God on the Mount of Olives. So This place is significant. This king who enters in, the king of humility, decides to enter in this week. As I was reading this scripture over the last few weeks, something stuck out to me. Jesus was allowing others into his kingship. And we see this about Jesus is he allows others into his, his glory. Hey, disciples, go get me a, a donkey. Not a war horse, not a chariot. You know, go get me the lonely of the low. Get, get me a donkey. And, and not only is he allowing his disciples in, the owner of the donkey gets to be glorified. That's, hey, that was, I'm going to be honest. If, if you brought that donkey back to me, I'd be like, that was my donkey. I let Jesus use my donkey. Like He allowed people to enter into his space. He humbled himself and asked his disciples to join in. Christ needed resources, the right resources. Jesus needed a, a couple of, he needed a donkey. As we've seen in Zechariah 9-9, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you. And he is just having salvation lowly and riding on a donkey, the colt of the fowl of a donkey. Like, I, I think about this, like, the way Jesus enters into our world, he didn't, he didn't enter into the grand a hospital or a hotel or a house or mansion or kingdom or or castle. It was a manger He didn't come riding in in the caravan with soldiers and armies equipped. No, he came in on a donkey like he enters into these spaces And he says don't look at me look to the father everything he does He points it back to the father instead of taking this this on me look to the father. I'm gonna point you here My question this morning is, how often do we point people to the Father? Jesus knew where the resources was. He he needed them. And he's asking people to lean in. My question is, are we leaning in? Every Christian in reality is a disciple of Jesus Christ. Today, every true follower of the Lord, we should support his cause. We should support it. We should go all in. Whether it's your gifts and talents. For me, last night was an opportunity to see people share their gifts and talents. I walked in before everyone got here and I seen the place just beautiful. It was beautiful. The table set up, the flowers, the arrangements, the color. The, the, I mean, the, who thinks like I would have never thought of like, let me put a wall up here so if people want to take pictures with their family? Like that wouldn't have been something. That individual used their gifts. Cat and Jordan, they they like, I'm gonna love my church this way. And then through the food. Sometimes we get this, this, this idea that the gifts have to be someone preaching and teaching. Sometimes it's just loving people right where they're at. That's, that's it. It's simple. So the disciples, hey, I, I can go ask for the, the donkey. I'm, I'm willing to do that. Are you willing to go ask someone for the donkey to support the kingdom? Because that's what the disciples were doing. We should be willingly and eagerly, spontaneously, without, without a claim or pr- uh, promotion, but through humility, we should go. Just as he rode in in humility, we should live it. So here it is. We have the king of humility. My question this morning is, are we withholding what the master needs? Are there some resources needed by his church being withheld? Because we're too fearful to enter in. Well, I don't know enough. So no one no he, he called 12 disciples that were fishermen and construction workers. They weren't Bible taught, but he used them. Enter in. Do you have a talent of something that the, that the kingdom needs to see you use? Are you gifted in some way? Through the ages there have been those who have delighted to serve meaningful. Meaningfully. And it, it brings me to this thought as I was reading a book, I I, I love like again, I, I'm a history guy and I love looking at like church history stuff. And when our beloved Lord needed someone to reform the medieval church from its petrified dignity, he chose the rough, unpolished son of a minor in Martin Luther. Like like he used Martin Luther. Come on now. He used Martin Luther as his donkey. When he needed a donkey to arouse the Orthodox Church of England, he called from behind the bar of Bell Inn in Gloucester, Georgia. Or, or, or Gloucester, he called George Whitfield. And I, I read a book about this guy, and I'm like, this dude was like a bar hand. Like, he, he worked in the bar. Like, I'm gonna be honest, as a Christian, In Chelan, I remember one time, someone literally from my church was like, Jeff, why do you go to Senior Frogs? And if you know anything about uh, Chelan, Senior Frogs is not like the Senior Frogs tourists in Florida or Mexico where it's like taco friendly. No, Senior, it's the dive bar of the community. And what the individual in the church didn't realize is I was showing up to Senior Frogs because there was an individual that was hurting and he hated the church you know what? He would show up there and allow me to share the gospel with them. The crazy thing now is I can celebrate him because he's the elder of one of the churches in Chelan. But I was willing to enter into the places where most people wouldn't go. Just as Jesus enters in, talk to the Samaritan woman, knowing he has no right to do it, but he still entered in. Like, are we entering into these places? I think of OMAC. Do we enter into places that we sh- we we like? Ah, I, I'm not going to go there. But we're called to. If it's our community, I don't know if you guys know Sam Jones. <laughs> he called a drunkard to change his church. And and I think of myself. You know this from California who, who didn't, wasn't raised in the church to be a pastor in Okanagan Valley Alliance like what is God doing so my question is how are we showing our gifts how are we sharing them with others and that's what Jesus was doing as he was walking in as he was entering in, on the, in this procession in this parade to show off He came in with, with this humble attitude but like I said, something changed in the hearts of these individuals. How can you praise them one day and curse them the next? I still, it still just baffles me. Hosanna literally means save, I pray. Save us, I pray. Hosanna, Hosanna, save us, save us. Is what they're screaming out. Save us, we pray, O oh Lord, O oh Lord. We pray, give us success. Blessed is is who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. That's what the Passover celebration was all about, liberation. These these Israelite people, these Hebrew people wanted the deliverance uh, from Egypt. They got it, and they hated the manna. They complained about it. And here it is. Israel, they're, they're, they're saying, deliver us from Rome. And a day later, they'd rather have Barabbas. Blessed is is those. The Lord bless you and keep you. He is saying, I am willing to enter in, but are you willing to follow? Are you willing to lean in with me? They hoped, they believed that they would have a king that would purge Israel of foreign domination. But instead, they get a guy coming in on a a colt, on a donkey. And, And one of the things that I was learning as I was reading and going through Scripture is, There's a story of two kings here. See, you have Jesus who's coming in through the east, but what they wanted was the person that was gonna come and take him from from the the rule of Rome. But on the other side, on the west side, there was the conquering kings that were coming through. Pilate was coming in. It says in, in, in 30 AD in Rome that on the other side of this Passover of this week that Pilate was walking in. And this is the thing, this, 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 is, the, this is crazy as I, was, as I was reading this, like, how he came in. It, it says that in the year 30 AD, Roman historians recorded that the governor of Judah, Pontius Pilate, led a procession of Roman cavalry and uh, centurions into the city. So he came in with this, this leather-polished army, like horses and cavalry, And that's what the Israel people wanted from Jesus. They wanted the sword to be thrown. They wanted wanted someone to come in and conquer. To take over. But Jesus' entry was like, "I, I wanna save you from your sins. I wanna save you from your brokenness. I wanna know your hurts, your struggles. I wanna save you from that. So I think the problem was the crowd was wanting something more than what Jesus had. You might not know this, Jesus' procession. I mean, they're, they're screaming for this warrior king, this warrior king, this warrior king, and they, and they get it. Jesus. Drummers beat out the cadence of the march. This was no ordinary entry, entry into Jerusalem. Pilate, as the governor of the region, which included not just Judah but Samaria, and knew it was a standard practice that the Roman governor of a foreign territory is to, is to take capital, to take siege, to, to, to ravage this community. And these folks were hoping that someone would come and combat that. And I love what Scripture tells us, it was simple. The colt or the donkey with a cloak on top of it, cloak, some cloaks scattered on the roads, these unpaved roads. Part of this learning was before that Roman entry came in, they sent out a crew that would come and smooth out and pave the way so a horse wouldn't throw, throw a shoe. Jesus like, hey, I'll take some cloaks. And I have to think, the cloaks and, and, and these simple things, it's us. It's, it's, I'm going to take what you have and I'm going to use it for his glory. This morning, my challenge and my, my desire for us as a church is like, what do we have to offer? What do we have? What, 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 do we, what can we share so that our community can see that we have something bigger than what this world has to offer? Because this world is wanting us, the same thing that's going on here is this world that we're in right now, they want, this, they want this ruler to come in and just like wash everything. But he's got a church here that can do that, who can enter in to hear people's stories. Just as he called the disciples to go out and make other disciples, I mean, that's what we're called to do, and that's what this world needs right now. This world needs individuals that are going to enter in to spaces that are unknown, to, to, to uncharted territories, to love their community right where it's at. Be the donkey, be the cloak. Uh, because, you know, verses 1 through 12, 1 through 11, it's just like the entry, it's the thing, but it's 12 through 26 that it, it strikes fear in me. I don't, I don't know if you, you understand what, what's going on here. As, as Jesus is entering into this city, he's going to come with righteous anger. Righteous anger. And I don't think the people were ready for it. See, because in John fourteen six, it says that Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And these people are missing the point, because if we skip down and we go to verse 12, Jesus is now, he, he, it's, it's, it's after he walked in, he seen Bethany, or uh, uh, Jerusalem, and he entered in. Now he's leaving, and he's, the next day, on the following day, when he came from Bethany, he was hungry. And So this is when I, when I started reading this, it's, I had started thinking about this, okay, so here it is. He comes in, he has his entrance on the donkey, he sees the town, he sees it, it's empty, it's nighttime, and he leaves. He wakes up the next morning. He wakes up the next morning. On the following day, when he came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf. And so I'm sitting here, and, I, and one of my commentaries says, as Jesus is looking out on the horizons, he sees this tree, and it's beautiful. It's got leaves. It's showing off its colors. And, you, and, you, and I started equating this with, with us as Christians. We can get suited and booted to come to church in our Sunday's best. We can say all the, the proper church things, the lingo. We can show up. But when you get close to it and you look at it, and there's no fruit. Oh, like, like, Jesus is hungry. Jesus is entering into this fruit tree, and he gets there, and it's the flowers are there, meaning it's it might not be season, but you, you, people that plant, you know when things are budding and it's and the seasons are coming, and the fruit is going to be there, and if the leaves are flush, and, and this is what happens. And seeing in the distance the fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for the figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him. It's this idea of of he's walking and he's hungry and he sees this tree. And I have to equate it for myself. I have to think it's like people in our community that sees us as a light. But then we have no substance. We're just empty. I mean, that's, that's what I'm equating with this. We can be polished, well-groomed, but if we don't have no substance, if we're not leaning in and sharing the gospel with people who need to hear the gospel, if this tree ain't going to produce it, then what's the purpose of the tree? So what's he do? He gets rid of the tree. But it goes on. So you gotta you got understand this. Jesus is hungry and he's walking into the temple and he walks into his temple. And I just I equate it to the today's church. When we walk into this church, is is he seeing like he's seeing people selling and, and, and making money off of people like they're they're hurting, their desire is I want to be I want to be close to the to the God of the universe and i'm willing to pay out what i have to get this sacrifice like it says he he's here and it's and they came to jerusalem he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were who sold and those who bought and and these are people who are coming to their wits end and they're like let me buy a just i'll have this money i just have enough for a pigeon can i get some kind of sacrifice can i get something We've heard the story of the, of the woman who was bleeding for so long and she was spending all her money to the doctors and they couldn't heal her until she entered into a relationship with Jesus and she was completely healed. And these people here, these are, these are lost individuals that are coming to the temple to the chief priest and they're saying, I am broken, I am, I'm struggling, life sucks and I'm willing to pay for that lamb, I'm willing to pay for that pigeon and they're taking advantage of these folks. Like you see someone in need, why are you gonna charge them? Like as I was when I was when I was reading this and I was doing the I was like, they're really charging people? Like these people are broke and lost and struggling, and they're seeking your guidance, and you're gonna charge them. I was like, what? Say, like the chief priests. But the chief priests, they have the audacity, the goal. To be mad at Jesus. Like, like, I mean, it's... Verse 18, And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy Jesus. For they feared him. They feared him because they took away... Jesus was taking away their livelihood. So if you went out today and you show up to work tomorrow, Monday, and your job is gone, are you going to be mad at Jesus? Or are you going to lean into Jesus? If I'm a chief priest and, I'm, and I know I'm doing wrong, I look at it, I think, as myself as a pastor, if I'm, if I'm in the wrong, Jesus, like, tell me, show me, because I, I don't want to keep being in the wrong. I want to do what you're calling me to do, like, just as, like, us, like, when we're in our sin, we don't keep sinning. We've got to turn from the sin, remove ourselves from it, and seek the Lord's help and guidance. And here it is, these folks are upset because Jesus is calling them out of their sin. Why are you charging my people? that are seeking your advice, seeking your help, seeking your love, you're charging them for a pigeon? So he righteously, Jesus righteously is angry at these folks. He's frustrated. He's, he's frustrated. He's frustrated because he's seeing a a, a society, a group of individuals that are seeking shelter from their junk. And the people who are supposed to lead them aren't lovingly leading them. Because it's not that Jesus is getting upset at the the furthest out. He's not getting upset at the unbelievers. He's He's getting upset at the people who know right from wrong. Priests and the scribes heard it and they were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him, because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. These people that came into the house of the Lord that were seeking God's call in their life was getting bamboozled by the same people that were called to lead them. So I think of Okanagan Valley Alliance, we are called to be in this valley with a purpose. But are we living out our purpose? And our purpose as a church, any church out the gate, our purpose should be to enter into the world of those that need us, that need Jesus. Our testimony should point them to Jesus and how he saved us from our own junk, how he loved us right where we're at. But are we doing that as a church? Last night was beautiful. I went home with a smile. I watched our church love each other and then I got to see some people that that don't go to church here that showed up and our church loved them like introducing themselves like shaking hands with people and like it's crazy because like when I first seen them, I was like oh man I wonder and I'm not trying to be a hypocrite but I'm just wondering like I sometimes wonder when I see people that I invite in or other people like how are we going to receive them right when people come in tattooed up and they're not realize their pastor might be, you might not know, like, I'm tattooed up. Like, and they come in, and they just look different than we look. But you know what amazed me last night? And it's not the first time that it amazed me how our folks leaned in and loved these people and wanted to know their name and their story, invited them into the conversations, loved on them. Man, I went home on such a high Because I'm understanding our church gets it. We get it. We get that we love people right where they're at. We earn the right to be heard, to share the gospel. Man. But there are moments we stray from the palace, when our own stuff, our own life gets in the way. Sometimes we stray. I know it's so much easier when we're struggling or we're 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 in our stuff or we're in our feelings and we're in our emotions it's so easy to remove ourselves from the palace from coming to church on Sunday or entering into the Bible study on Tuesday or the the men's group on Wednesday. It's so easy when life smacks you in the face to remove ourselves, or when we get disgruntled with something. It's so easy to move ourselves away from it. And that's what these people are doing. They're moving themselves away from the presence of God by charging individuals to enter his palace. There's no fee to enter his home. The The only fee is we just trust in who the Lord Jesus is. That's it. And here it is. Verse 20, as they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. I have to to believe it's withered because it it's not producing what it was designed to produce. It's great to have all the head knowledge in the world and know scripture in and out, but man, if you're not applying it and using it, you're fading away. You're fading away. We gotta we gotta know that the way we get our energy and we get revived and we get back in the seat is through his word. Most importantly, it's by faith in God. Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain uh, to be taken up and thrown in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you you ask in prayer, believe that you received it. He is saying your desires, your will to want to serve me, then pray to me. Let me in on what you need and what you want. And this is not a, like, gospel or, or uh, a prosperity gospel uh, message. This is, hey, I want to serve you, Jesus, more than I want to serve myself. Let me go. Give me the tools, the knowledge. Because that's what his disciples had to do. His disciples, when he called a Peter and then they were fishermen, and they're sitting here like, man, I don't know. But what did Jesus do? He, he's like, just watch me. And I'm going to pray to the Father. Hey, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna study scriptures. No, you study scriptures. He'll equip us for what we're called to do. You love kids? You love them, you love them to teach them out the word and to lean in with them. Go serve in Sunday school. Man, if you got a musical talent and you wanna give to the Lord, it is like I was this morning watching cat up here like. Like, like I, and, and, and seeing the broke neck over here, like, still going, like, he is serving with all he has. He is saying, I don't care if this neck is infused and I'm in pain, I'm still gonna serve the Lord. My, my challenge is, like, he's gonna give it to us, but are we praying for it, for his guidance? Are we saying, Lord, I want to be there on Sunday so I can worship you? I mean, I've talked to Jim and he, how he misses, misses being here on, on Sundays and how he missed raising his hand and, and leading this. and Like, but he's here. And what Jesus is saying is pray and I'll make a way for you. Just pray, trust me. Test me in your needs. Verse 25 is the hard one. And as I wrap up this morning, see, verse 25 is the sucker punch. It's the, like, blind side. It's like I wasn't really expecting that. As I was was studying this week, I was like, oh, man, verse 25, that's going to hit. That is so going to hit. So verse 25 says, and whenever you stand and pray, forgive. 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 You have anything against anyone? Forgive. Whoo! I don't know about you, but there are people and things and of my life that it's like it's hard for me to forgive. It's a struggle. It's it's hard to 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 like really lean in and forgive, especially when you've been hurt. But he says, "Man, if you're gonna if you're gonna work in my kingdom." If you're going to lean into my world, you've got to come with no barrier. There can't be a wall between me and you. And sometimes that wall is our unforgiving hearts. And you know what? It might not even be a person. Sometimes we don't forgive ourselves because that was—that's my biggest struggle. My past, my mess ups, my hang ups, my habits. But he is saying, forgive yourself. I've done forgiving you. I love you. Can't you love yourself? Because I want you to go back into the fight. I want you out there in the kingdom for me. So he says, whenever you stand praying, forgive. And if you have anything against anyone, including yourselves, I added that piece in. That's not in Scripture. Scripture. So the Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. How are we going to sit here and ask for his forgiveness if we're not willing to forgive anyone else? Like that is what I took away this week. And as I was sitting here uh, thinking about that, there was a couple things that I wrote down that kind of like stood out to me. That kind of made me kind of like, okay, is this going to be a burden for me? Is this going to be like my hiccup? And there's just two of them. If I'm not willing to forgive, then how can I be a workman for the Lord? And so I had to look this week, like, what, what do I need to forgive? And I'm 46 years old now, 16 years in the faith. And I thought I forgave everybody. And this week, I'm sitting, and I'm sitting in my, my room as I'm recovering from being sick. I'm, I'm sitting here saying, like, I still harbor resentment for myself. That there's moments I feel like I can't, I'm not everything I need to be. Because I don't feel like I'm good enough. I don't. I, maybe I don't have the big vocabulary words, or I'm not smart enough. And this is what I heard from the Lord. He's like, but do you trust me? Because I trust you. And in that moment, I was like, that's all I need. The second one that I just, am I willing to serve others over myself being served? Because I'm going to be honest, I'm stingy, selfish. You can ask my wife. I'm just like, that's just who I am. I mean, it's part of my nature, right? It's like when, you, when you're raising a household where you had to fight for everything and you got that last piece of cake, you ain't sharing it with nobody, I got an older brother that would put hands on me for food. And so I was selfish. Like, when you got a big family and you're living with nothing but brothers and cousins in one little bedroom house, like, you fight and scrap for everything. And I had to come this week because there was a moment and someone had to say, how are you loving your wife in this moment? I was like, dang, like, this week I started thinking about it. I was like, man, I've done so many things with friends over the last week and a half that helped me. I got to hang out with some dudes on Friday night and it was like, ah! And I got to go hang out with some, some buddies a couple days earlier and like, ah! And then I'm like, he asked me, "Look, what are you doing for your wife? And I was like, dude, I am so stingy right now. Maybe I should take little guy and let her go for a day for herself or let her just have a, a day of rest. But I'm selfish! So now my attitude is, I want to serve others more than I get served. That's what we're called to do. Jesus was the prime example of someone who served when he chose to enter the cross for us. I'm over here not able to serve my wife. Like, I can't take David. That dude's an animal. You see my kid? I look at him, and I'm like, man, that's all me. Exactly. But my wife serves so patiently, but I don't. And so this is my thought, is if I can't serve in my own household, then how can I serve in my community? If I can't serve in my community, how can I serve in my church? If I can't serve in my church, how do I serve the Lord? And how they all play on each other. And it's a cycle. When something's out of that cycle, it's all discombobulated and we're, we're lost. So this week, my, my challenge to you guys is we see this king who comes and enters in humility. What are we willing to, to forgive? And who are we willing to serve so we can be used as his workmanship? Let us pray. Father, I just thank you just how you've challenged me this week. To Just look at your word and examine my own walk with you, Lord. And may we examine ourselves. Not take it from me, but go to the word and see what it says. Unpack it, read it. Hit a commentary, Google it. May we just chase after what you're teaching us. Lord, we just pray for this last bit of service. May it honor you. In your son's name we pray, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'd like to invite the band back up.